This is Joiny Radio, episode 18. Silver Joiny Alex here, and with me is my good friend Joiny Plex, or Paul. Hi. Okay. Uh, this is a special one today because uh, we're basically uh, my our mutual friend Joiny Tomahawk, also known as Tom, um, has is an aspiring writer and uh, a musician and various other things. He's a jack of all trades, and um, he recently sent me a, a short story he'd put together um, uh, regarding an assassin because I'm planning to do a film of the same sort. Um, I'm not sure if he meant it to be a comedy, but he has an absolute gift for for comedy writing his his character is possibly the most odious and arrogant uh, that i've ever read and it's just brilliant and i need to share it with the world because i i, I laughed so hard i cried last night so uh basically we're just, i'm just gonna take you through it and uh and and read this out and uh and hopefully someone may actually you know hear this and, and sign tom up for some sort of book deal because he deserves it honestly um, and uh, obviously to Tom out there, big up yourself, and I uh, hope you enjoy listening to your your work. Okay, and of course with me is Paul because we're 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 both well aware of Tom's work in the past, and uh, it's you know it's it's worth you know Paul being there to add some extra uh, perspective on things. Okay, so I'm going to fire away now. If truth be known, I love my job. I made my first professional kill at 18, and it was for the age-old reason of revenge. It actually hasn't got a title, this. Um, I'm, I'm thinking possibly just some sort of um, assassin-based thing. I've got Tom's Story as the title. Oh, yeah, yeah. we'll call this Tom's Story. Right. I learnt my trade from my father, as he had done from his. I never knew my mother. I mean, she was around, but I never got to know her as a person. My dad was my mentor from the age of 10 or 11. He taught me all about weapons, how to look after them and how to use them. He took me to Kung Fu and Karate classes and when all my friends wanted to play football, he was tough, pushing me if, as if he knew I was slacking, but always fair, rewarding my good grades and achievements. For example, at 16, when I got seven A's in my exams, including one in sociology and one in history, his reward was my very own Glock 19. However, on the eve of my 18th birthday, the police arrested him while he was on a mission. He told me two things before he killed himself. One, the name of the person who had set him up, Sir Winston Parker Broadbent, the highest police official in England. And the second one was, once you've been arrested, your livelihood is over. The car bomb may have been crude, but it announced to the underworld that I was ready to fill my father's place. There are rules of my trade, and they cover things such as professionalism, dealing with weapon supplies, killing multiple marks, and crossover contracting. E.g., two people hired, hired to kill the same person. These rules are why I'm still number one after nearly 15 years in the business. That and my alter ego. That is, as the bass player in one of the biggest rock bands in the world. <laughs> this has been the perfect cover for my entire professional career and meticulous planning ensures that neither work interferes with the other. Unfortunately, today is shaping up to be one of those days when not only will my professionalism be put on the line, but my sanity as well. I'm awake a little late this morning with a hangover from hell. A quick glance at the clock tells me that I still have enough time for a shower, a shave, a quick trip to the breakfast buffet. Getting that drunk last night doesn't seem like the world's best idea now. However, it was a blinding gig that we played last night. The shower helps me relax and focus on today's task, and a shave helps me look a little more presentable. <laughs> However, the voicemail message on my phone had me thinking on my feet. Not something I like to do, but something that seems to be happening more and more these days. Hi, this is Stacy calling from Mr. Taylor's office. He requests that you see him before lunch today, as he has family commitments this afternoon. Is 11 o'clock okay? The message says. And it was only left five minutes ago. I called them back to say I'm on my way. As I race down the stairs, I now have no time for the breakfast at the hotel I'm staying in, and it looks so good today. 
The traffic would be a total fucking nightmare if it wasn't for my rented Harley Davidson. It makes movement through the jams a little easier. I nearly get arrested by a cop after nearly taking off the wing mirror of his car, but I just give him a sorry mate in my best East London accent. He just glares at me and gives me a verbal warning. I arrive at 10.55, starving, a little frustrated, but also with the feeling that I have probably made one of the quickest cross-town trips this city will ever see. However, the stupid bitch behind the reception desk must have an IQ of a squashed fly, as she can't seem to see that my appointment has been moved. I lose count of how many pieces of identification I need to produce before her blonde brain registers that she has to call Mr. Taylor's personal assistant to tell him I'm here. I'm sitting with a coffee and a donut, giving Mr. Taylor the silent treatment as he reviews my portfolio. I can see him musing to himself. He's trying to figure me out. His body language betrays his every thought. The prospective client takes his time to read each of the articles. When he finishes, he leans back in his chair, pushing it away from the desk, and places his hand so that the fingertips just touch. Excellent. He takes a moment to reflect on the newspaper articles. Myself sat opposite and my resume. Your reputation and past performance speak for themselves. Black silk shirt with a maroon silk tie. <laughs> Suits you. Smart jacket and your clean shaven. But why the ponytail? Clean black combats and smart black boots. But why are you wearing sunglasses inside? Anonymity, I say suddenly, taking him by surprise. I've now learnt to use a multitude of different handguns, knives, automatic rifles and sniper rifles, but another weapon in my arsenal is psychology. I can use it to make people relaxed or keep them on edge depending on who they are and what they want. I also use psychology to make people say what I want when I want. For instance, in the summer of 1997 when I was travelling in South Africa, I met a group of people who who wanted me to assassinate a political opponent, so I made them pay up front. Unfortunately, they wanted me... They wanted me to kill a single black woman who was six moths pregnant. Now, the first rule of any good assassin is never kill women and children. So I helped her fake her own death, then assassinated the group's leader, and Mr. Rutger van Hanrads. Thirty seconds passed by before he utters a single word, and I used the time to look him over. The first thing that strikes me is that he is a small but fat man, only five foot seven, at least. He's clean-shaven, has well-cut hair, and is smartly dressed in a shirt-slash-tie combination. He is sporting an expensive-looking gold watch with matching gold band around his finger, so he's married, and therefore those three pictures on the side of his desk must be his wife and kids. One shows a boy with a sports trophy and a date from earlier this year on. The other one shows an attractive girl, blonde, blue eyes about five foot five, in a college sweater standing outside a house with golden brown leaves on the ground. I force my gaze away from the photo and back to my client. Okay, moving down. After an inconspicuous pair of trousers, I glimpse a, a very fashionable pair of shoes. He knows how to dress, I'll give him that. Okay, I agree to all terms and conditions that you forwarded. Give me a few minutes to sign the paperwork, make your payment transfer, and I'll tell you what you're going to kill. Mr. Taylor extended his hand towards me, his new business partner. I silently take the hand, shake it, and the deal is done. He punches a few numbers into his phone and leaves it on the speaker setting. As the monotonous ring-ring echoes from the speakers, he eagerly signs the contract on his desk. He then places the singed document in an envelope and slides it across the desk. Hello, Grand Canyon Bank. How can I direct your call, please? A female voice suddenly comes over the speaker. Mr. Taylor picks up the cordless phone, moves towards the windows, opens it and starts talking. I use the time to look around the room. No security cameras that I can spy. Not like Mr. Kenji Matsushisha in Japan. He was a security nut. That was possibly the most difficult job I ever had. I spent half the time tracking down the blueprints for his security systems. I was able to exploit small flaws in the motion detectors and heat sensors along with a dark corridor in the security camera sweep. 
Still, I now have an anti-security device built into my watch that should make any security camera turn off for about 30 seconds. I take the envelope and stuff it into my inside jacket pocket next to my silenced Walter PPK. In my other inside pocket are my cigarette lighter and a butterfly knife. But alas, this is a non-smoking office. I wait and listen to him on the phone. My hands move to my outer pocket, finding my trusty leather gloves, and I put them on. Thank you very much, says Mr. Taylor, as he finishes the call and turns back to me. Is everything in order? A simple nod from me is all he gets as an answer, and I look like I'm going to get ready to leave. Mr. Taylor turns back to look out the window. So it is confirmed. He'll be dead by... The rest of the words are lost as one of my gloved hands covers his mouth. I love getting the victim to pay as well. Sorry, asshole. I only kill important people on Friday the 13th. Your business partner beat you to it, I whisper into his ear. He struggles for a while as he breathes in the poison of my own making as that is laced into my gloves. The poison triggers <laughs> the cardiac arrest in the victim and as yet is indetectable by police forensic labs. I wait until he goes limp, then seat him back into his chair. Mr. Taylor looks really unwell, I say with mock concern to his personal assistant as I leave. I think you should check up on him sooner rather than later. Well, Paul, what do you think? I'm trying to get my head around this, just to clarify. He's a hitman. He's a hitman. He was also the... The, the, the... He's the... He's, he's a bass player for one of the, for one of the gr- greatest rock bands in the world. So, what, well, I don't know, U2? How does he define... Who, who defined greatest? Um, hang on, where is it? Oh, no, biggest rock bands in the there world. There we go. So, um, well, so uh, sorry. Who's the bassist for you two? Some twat. Um, <laughs> hey, you two are good sometimes. Uh, yeah. No, they're not. Um, Adam Clayton. Oh, so okay, basically, he's Adam Clayton, uh, bassist for you two, and um, uh, on the side, he is also like the world's best hitman. You know who? Um, you can juggle those uh, two professors. Yeah, no, no, no. He, he says he says very specifically. Um, that uh, he uh, has been careful planning means that they never intersect, right? Okay. Now, I'd like to make this absolutely clear. I am not taking the piss out of this work. I think it's brilliant. I don't think it's quite what Tom intended to write. I think he was actually trying to be serious, but it's brilliant nonetheless um, because what he's conjured up is a series of contradictions that, that are, j- are classic in their, uh, in their um, well, ridiculousness. The fact that, you know, basically, to perform this hit, he uh, makes sure that he performs, pr- produces many, many, many forms of ID <laughs> to say, it's definitely me, Adam Clayton, bassist, bass player for U2, and goes in to see the guy. And uh, I guess, you know, that would be the reason why. I mean, he's a, he's a music guy, isn't he? He's a founder of Taylor Wilson Music. So basically, you know, he suddenly snaps into this misogyny mode just halfway through. He's, you know, let me just uh, get, get back to the, uh, the, the particular passage. I arrive at 10.55, starving, a little frustrated, but also with a feeling that I have probably made one of the quickest cross-town trips this city will ever see. Well, you know, in a Harley, because obviously they are designed to be driven around London, you know, Yeah. as we all know. So what, if he's such a such a successful person, why would he have a rented Harley Davidson? <laughs> <laughs> For cover! Anonymity, he said. <laughs> right. However, the, the stupid bitch behind the reception desk must... I mean, suddenly, it just it comes out of nowhere. It's like Tourette's syndrome. <laughs> it's, it's, it's suddenly the stupid bitch. How dare you keep me waiting? But no, that, it, it all works. It's just this sudden explosive thing keeps everyone's attention there because, I mean, you know, he could just be this psychopath, this guy, this bassist. I, I wouldn't want to cross him. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, he, he actually, you know, does what I, I'm assuming most assassins don't do, which is to show, like, a portfolio of what he's done. And, like, basically incriminate himself for various unsolved crimes. You know, if this was a police sting, he's absolutely buggered. 
you know, it's basically, they said, right, so you performed all these crimes. Yes, sir, I surely did. And then well, the SWAT team come bursting through the windows, and he's just given eight forms of ID. I'm definitely Adam Clayton. So, yeah, that, that would be quite a good ending, actually. You know, at the very end, basically, he gets completely, um, you know, mauled by the police because he's just, you know, fallen into the trap. But then again, he said that he is, like, the best assassin in the world. So, clearly, this is the way to do it. And, you know, your reputation and past performances speak for themselves. Black silk shirt with a maroon silk tie suits you. Smart <laughs> jacket and you're clean shaved. But why the ponytail? I mean, why? Why the ponytail? <laughs> clean, and then suddenly, just it's a sort of rhetorical question. He just carries on. Clean black combats and, a, a bla- and black boots. But why wear sunglasses inside? So basically, on his bottom half, he's like a rocker or a punk or something. And on his top half, he's sort of like a, a, a yuppie. It's crazy. He could blend into any scenario. I mean, I'm assuming, but you know, this is all part of his disguise. You know, disguise, because obviously, anonymity. He suddenly says, taking him by surprise. I mean, you know, you would be surprised, wouldn't you, if you asked a question and somebody suddenly answered it? But I love that. I mean, it shows you how um, you know un- unpredictable Adam Clayton is. Well, yeah, he is. He is very unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> I would never have guessed this. That would be the outcome. Yeah. And and yeah, this is. I mean, this is brilliant. I mean, his. Uh, his his watch that you know makes any security camera turn off for about thirty seconds. That that'll surely come in useful at some point later in the story. Because yeah, you're going to see with one of those. Maybe they sell them yeah. on eBay. Yeah, it's also a great way of avoiding um, having like uh, you know a difficult situation involving dealing with a security camera. You just basically press a button and make it go away. Because you know those situations you know they're just boring. People don't want to read about you know <laughs> Jason Ford doing his thing. And basically, you know, the, the whole idea of, uh, you know, this guy um, hiring for him for a hit and then him hitting this guy, that's great. Because, I mean, you know, it, it you know after he's found dead, uh, after he was fighting fit during the uh, meeting pr- before Adam Clayton, the last person they're going to suspect is the person he was last talking to, Adam Clayton. No, yeah, it's completely obvious. Yeah, I mean, you know, basically, he's clearly just had a heart attack and died. So, you know, he's managed to cover his tracks completely. There's, there's no way police might come around for questioning. This has been Joiny Radio, episode 18, uh, with your host, Silver Joiny Alex. With me was uh, Joiny Plex, and we've been reading from Joiny Tomahawk's most recent uh, piece of work. And, Brilliant. Uh, it's, no, I, I love it, and I, think I, I, I would honestly want to see, see that written in a magazine or, or actually published in a full book because it would just, you know, it's brilliant.